everything from overlanding in your stock rig to full-on Ellis-powered two buggies on stickies. This is the Total Off-Road Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Trevor. And this is episode 179. I almost screwed it up again. (laughs) But we saved it. So it's Trevor and I this week. We're coming back at you for some fun and interesting off-road content. Uh, Everybody's busy this week, so Trevor so kindly agreed to jump on with me and record a little content and uh, put it out there. It's the Benchwarmers coming out to make a podcast. Yeah, it's it's the B team coming out. Or no, we're the C line. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we're like at the we're the low man on the totem poles. You're you're um, like the C line, and I'm the random guy in the in the crowd who is holding <laughs> up a sign that said, "Let me come on the stage and do something." You're the water boy. Yeah, there we go. So before I forget, we're gonna do this right off the bat. Um, when you are hearing this, um, this is the last week to pick up a swag pack. Um, they're going to be closing out here real soon. I believe it's the end of July at midnight. We're shutting her down. So this is your last chance. If you want uh, a hoodie, um, a trail flag, ceramic spray, I think we're going to be putting mystery stickers in there. Um, and a koozie. This is your last chance to pick it up. I'd like to see a few more go out so some more people can have the opportunity to come with. I I know Trevor over here is pretty pretty stoked to get to try and go this year. Yeah, I'm hoping to get a spot again. Trevor Trevor's got some good odds, so if you want to try and beat Trevor, go uh, go pick yourself up a swag pack. So. Anyway, now that that's out of the way, this is the last time everyone has to hear it technically, so I'm sure everyone will be happy to hear me stop talking about it. It's the last time you have to hear about it, but it's actually the only thing we're talking about this week. Yeah, the, we're going to talk about this for another hour, um, so everybody just saddle up and here we go. But no, just 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 kidding. Don't 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 hit the stop button um off-road stuff trevor you've been going wheeling a lot i don't know about a lot but once a month is a a reasonable goal i mean so is every friday but jeez (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um now you're actually like going wheeling all the time i i'd like to think that you're wheeling the most among the podcast which is pretty cool um so i'll quit talking and let you talk about your wheeling recently i don't know if i'd say the most there's there's some guys who definitely go more than me but i try to go consistently um part of it helps with living close to a few different parks and having some nearby options that don't take all day to get to and get back from um so sometimes it's just going for five or six hours and going home um, but uh or but I mean, just as much as we i i really do enjoy those like drive out there do a few hours don't destroy your rig you know just just go touch dirt and then put it back on the trailer and bring it home and you know be home in time for dinner get outside to touch grass yeah go touch go touch grass i mean there's there's your words for the week 
Um, yeah, so we did a, there's a, a club that's kind of more in the central Missouri and St. Louis area uh, called Midwest Jeep thing um, that Josh, I never know how to say his last name. Josh with the Comanche on 40s, he is a, He's one of the important people of the group. I forget what his title is there, but he helps organize trail rides and events and stuff like that. Um, he had one at Vandy's, one of the parks that's about an hour from me. Um, that was five weeks ago, I think. And it was me and Josh and one other guy at a JK um, because it was raining like hell all weekend and it was a muddy ridiculous disaster over there um it took me like three hours to clean my jeep off once i finally got the motivation to start pressure washing it that thing was <laughs> was a mess you really yeah. like got in the slop with that thing <laughs> yeah it was full-on mud truck shit um Part of it was me thinking, oh, I'm going to put in a two-wheel drive and drift it around this corner. And my uh, SX2 said, no, this is what we're made for. And they just dead hooked and flung mud everywhere. And I didn't slide at all. I'm getting real fucking dirty. Um, so there was that. It was a miscalculation on my end, but the tires work well. Uh, so we did that trip. I kind of led around uh led josh and the jk that i don't remember what his name was but led them around the park um tried out some of my favorite obstacles there's one there called the mailbox which is like uh four or five foot basically vertical wall um andy myrtle tried it when we went there when he came down that's uh, the one he got denied on right Yep. Yeah, I tried it also. I got denied on it too. Um, Josh tried it while it was functioning as an active waterfall, and his limited slip rear diff was definitely limiting him, uh, and he did not really go anywhere. Uh, since he has welded it and wants revenge on that hill, um, and I want to try harder on it too because I think I could get it. So his limited uh, slip wasn't um, like locking up enough. Yeah, it just doesn't really lock at all. Uh, he's, uh, it's just they're just stock. I want to say they're stock Super Duty axles, um, and the stock limited slip is just worn the fuck out. And it was not doing the doing the job well enough for that terrain. Um, he welded it up for the meantime when he regears it he's going to put a lock rate but uh, so he got to try that out two weekends ago when we went to the loop for another Midwest Jeep thing event which was a much bigger turnout there was like 25 Jeeps that showed up there oh uh, wow so, yeah somewhere between 20 and 25 which made the first part of the trail ride a, a traffic jam. Um, it was a big mix of skill levels and builds and stuff. A lot of stock first timers and some moderately built jails and gladiators. And then 
uh, me and Josh in Comanche on 40s and my XJ on 37s. And uh, we were kind of kind of bored in the beginning because we were just kind of waiting, waiting around at the back of the line. And after we got to one somewhat more difficult obstacle, uh, we split off into two groups and I got to lead a moderate difficulty group while one of the other, uh, I don't know what his title is, admins of the Midwest Jeep thing. Club led the more beginner group. Um, he's like got a, a really like nice a board, like a board member. Yeah, he's I, I, I might be wrong, but I think he's the president of the club. Oh, sweet. Um, he's got a really nice JK on like 43s, I think. Uh, it looks crazy. Um, but he led the more novice group and they just kind of explored some of the easier trails and i took our group to some of the more difficult stuff um i didn't really get to my favorite part of the park there's a a creek that starts on an obstacle called spare parts and you get up that and then just follow this ravine over a bunch of rocks and a couple wedges and cool stuff some cool views um Unfortunately, I only got to lead the group to that point, and then we had to break for lunch. And by that point, it was time that we had to go back to take care of the dogs. Um, but Josh knew how to get back there, so he got to try that obstacle. Uh, I saw a video of his Comanche doing it. It looked pretty cool. And the obstacle lived up to its name with a couple other Jeeps that did it that hit the ledge, bounced off, bent tie rods, broke a light bar off, some other stuff like that. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it's a cool obstacle. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of that park, uh, which uh, the last weekend that just passed and during the week, they got a ton of rain down there. And some of the places that have been dry for a while had like several feet of water pooled up in them so i'm really excited to go back there and see how much the creek has changed again um that park is new it's only been open for about a year and uh every time it rains that park changes a lot so it keeps getting better the more people drive on it the more weather hits it the more rocks show and the better the terrain gets so it's a relatively new park then right or did they just finish creating it it's basically brand new. The soft opening was like a year and a half ago, and the official opening was just over a year ago. And what was the the name of the park one more time? Just because I want to see how far it is from me. That's the Loop, the Lake Ozark Off Road Park. So, Let's see. Uh, so they Lake, also uh, have a another park that they just opened. It's called the Loop Two. The the original loop is a little over 500 acres, and the loop two is a little over 1,500 acres. Um, and it's got even more rocks in it, a much bigger creek, more bluffs, all that kind of stuff. And they just officially opened that one a couple weeks ago. I haven't been over there yet, but I am and looking that's forward in, to doing uh, so. 
that's in Versailles, right? Yeah, it's. Okay. I think that their official map shows them being in Gravis uh, Mills. But okay, it's, so it's about seven those, and a half hours for me. Yeah, those towns are next to each other. So it kind of depends on who you're asking. Yeah, it's not a bad drive. Basically, go to Springfield and then cut west. Yep. I could do that drive. That's no problem. Yeah, that, that park is about 45 minutes to an hour for me, depending on which way you go. That's incredible. <laughs> so, and uh, the Loop 2, their newest one that they just opened, is 10 minutes away from the original one. So it's about the same difference. It's pretty cool that there's still some parks opening. You know, sometimes it feels like, you know, it's kind of like the drag racing. You know, what we have is what we have, and it's just going to slowly start dwindling out. Yeah, that's one cool thing about Missouri is that it's uh, a growing and rather healthy sport here. Uh, It's pretty common. A lot of people here are into it, and there's a lot of good land here for it. So... There's uh, there's some other newer parks in Missouri that I haven't been to yet. There's a few that are on our list to check out. Um, we're just kind of figuring out the, how to do it with either bringing the dogs with or finding somewhere for them to stay for us to be able to go for a whole weekend. They do not ride well in the vehicles while we're wheeling. Do they, so. do they just not like being in there while the rocking is happening? Uh, some of that Wolfie, our, our beagle mix is, uh, he's better in the car than our coonhound. Um, but the combination of them together is a little overwhelming. So the, the drive there while towing is just frustrating. And then, um, Lacey, our coonhound just has no idea how to ride in a car. She doesn't know how to like lean and do a turn or anything like that. Oh, yeah, that's so how my dog just... is. She reacts rather than, you know, prepares. Yeah, she's just getting shit whipped everywhere the whole ride. Wolfie will sit in the center console of my truck and he'll he'll lead through the turns and stuff, and he rides okay. But I knew but a he friend. Was... In... Sorry, he was in the back seat. He was in the back seat of my Cherokee when I like half-assed put it on its side and broke the back window and tried to rip the hatch off and all that stuff. And when that happened, that window like exploded and it like really freaked him out. So I haven't I haven't forced him to be in there again since then. So I had a I friend don't... back in the day. He would um, when he'd bring his dog, it would run next to. Uh, his jeep so like as he was wheeling like the dog knew to kind of like stick nearby you know just enough to where like he's not running away so the dog would like get to go explore and check out all the interesting smells and then he'd be like hey come on and then you know dog would just move a little bit forward to stay close and then go back to his smelling (laughs) the dog had an absolute blast i like the idea of that i don't know how well our dogs would do with it yeah, I mean it it in it it does distract from what you're doing because now you're wheeling and then also babysitting your dog at the same time. Yeah. And when that happened, we were at Turkey Bay and my favorite off-road park. Yeah, I would love to go back there. That place is awesome. Um 
but out there as you know there's just such quick changes in terrain and you know you don't don't look for a second he's running next to the trail and then suddenly the trail drops off down a 80 foot cliff down into a ravine and he's yeah just like, oh. and you don't want your dog going down that <laughs> you have to yeah, figure out how to get him back up yeah like I'll throw you my winch line. Fucking figure it out, bud. <laughs> yeah. Just throw it in his collar and see if you can latch it. Yeah. They'll lasso him from 100 feet away. Yeah, we'll have to plan a trip to go back down. That we, We've always had really good luck going to Turkey Bay in like uh, late September, early October, because the heat's finally starting to break. Yeah, I think that's of, when we went, when Christy and I went there. Yeah, because we, we went one time like in july august you know when we would do it through the college um and we i mean it it was just hot i mean yeah. at the end of the at the end of the day everybody just like went over uh to the to the lake and just jumped in because you know there's no showers or anything there you know there's yeah. not even phone signal and so it was just like anything we could do to keep cool and it's one of the reasons my jeep still currently it's not working seems to be a common theme um, it's one of the reasons my Jeep's always had air conditioning is cause you know, you're, you're just miserable in this rig trying to like off road and now you're dripping sweat and then you're dehydrated and the whole, you know, the whole shebang. Yeah. With the XJ, if it's not the fuel injectors heat soaking, it's you. Right. Something. Yeah, exactly. Something's heat soaking. <laughs> and in most cases it's both. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my AC still works in my Jeep. The uh, the system works properly, but the temperature blend door gets hung up every now and then. It's like the vacuum motor doesn't stay in the position you put it on. So you'll be cruising along, and it's fantastic. It's real cold, and then all and of then a sudden it'll swip to the defroster. Well, well, then you'll you'll slow down a little bit, and the engine goes back to idle, and now it's like still blowing on you but it's not as cold as it was because it got vacuum again so now it's trying to go back to a different position or something so you just rip it wide open throttle for a second and now the blood door sticks wherever it needs to be and then it's nice and cold for another 10 minutes or so that's so weird because don't you typically have the most vacuum at idle yeah, yeah. So when you get it to go away, it's going to a, a non-default position. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah, when, you can hear it get stuck in the dash. It's for like, for <laughs> a very short time, you know, every every Cherokee owner they go to take their bumper off and they're like, "What is this ball behind the bumper and do I need to oh, yeah. keep it?" And uh so I was I was one of those, you know, I took the bumper off I'm like, "Huh, there's and you know, I I at least knew that it was the vacuum ball." Um and I had ordered a different style ball that I could basically zip tie onto the side of the accumulator. It was a little bit smaller that fit better. So for, for a brief time, I was driving around with no, I blocked the line, but it was, there was no uh, accumulator or a vacuum ball. And so same thing, every time I'd step on the gas, it would immediately like flip over to the defroster, start frosting up the window. And then I'd let off the throttle and then it would kick back over to me. So like now I'm now I'm warm. The windshield's frosted. Nobody's having a good time. <laughs> I can't see. I'm hot. Yeah, the sun is in yeah. my eyes. Yeah, I've I dealt with that with with my Cherokee. I did uh, the heater core like exploded 
in my Cherokee a couple of years ago. And I was in like a man rush to fix it. And so I did the whole heater core thing like quickly and not well. And uh, I just jammed the case halves back together without really checking to make sure anything was fitting correctly. So one of the doors gets hung up. I also had a problem after I did that where the uh, the squirrel cage on the blower motor was stuck to the case. Like it was just interfering with the the HVAC case. Oh, weird. So did it self-clearance itself? No, uh, it burned out all of the blower motor resistors while I was oh, trying shit. to figure out why it wasn't happening. <laughs> and then I took it out and saw witness marks of where it was trying to go. So I put it in a vise and took an angle grinder to the edge of the squirrel cage and just took it from a square edge to a beveled edge and took like a quarter inch off of the outside edge of the squirrel cage and it clears and it works on high and it's great. Hey, I mean, I guess if it works, it works. It's better than nothing. And if I cared to fix it right, I would have done it by now. So, Hey, I mean, if it's still working, I, I did the same, my, uh, my truck, the blower motor was making this like horrific hum and it was driving me crazy. And so finally I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pull it out and see what's going on. You know, I didn't buy anything yet, which was, you know, kind of out of pocket for me. Um, and I pulled it down and it just, yeah, right. <laughs> and it, it ended up just being like some foam or something got through the lines and just fell into the squirrel cage and knocked it out of balance. So all I had to do was just, you know, pick the stuff out, blow it out, clean it real quick, stick it back in. And it's been fine ever since. Didn't require any Dana 30 parts to fix it? No, 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 um, no expensive Dana 30 parts this time. Imagine now that. it's ex- now it's expensive air conditioning parts. Yeah, sounds about right. I'm glad Every, that my daily has good AC. Well, so last year when I took my dad out off roading with me, we were fixing something, and I had just uh, fixed the air conditioning on it. I completely vacuumed down the system with a hand pump. Let me tell you, you want a hand workout? Jeez. Pull your pull your system down with a hand pump. No thanks. Yeah, no, that was not my not my greatest idea and then i found out after the fact that we have a vacuum pump specifically for air conditioning at work so that that would have been good to know um but so like i put the right weight in i put the right oil in i had the whole thing back together we went on this off-roading trip my drive shaft seized we like broke it free got it back in started up the jeep the air conditioning turned on and started uh overboarding out of the the discharge port on the compressor so I'm like, great, compressors, junk, you know, whatever. And I haven't gone back in to fix it at this point because I want to, you know, clean a few things up while I'm in there. Um, and then this past weekend, I went to fire up the truck. I use the air conditioning every day this entire summer. I always have it on. And it just decided to start making this horrific grinding noise. And this has happened one other time. And it just started blowing all of the refrigerant out of the back of the compressor, out of the overload port. But it was it was cycling the like jettison. Like it would start grinding horrifically and blowing it out the back and then it would stop. But it wasn't synchronizing with the clutch. It was just randomly like cycling itself, blowing all the crap out of it. Yeah, so I don't know. That's uh that's my current fiasco. It's all been replaced tonight. So we're going to 
take it to a shop, let them fill it and run it again. The the shop is pretty cool. They're just like, yeah, charge pay us for the refrigerant and don't worry about the rest. So they've they've been good to me. So I'm gonna go back as a repeat customer. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'll probably I, I don't expect that deal this time again. So if if it's gonna cost me a few bucks, I, I can't drive around without air conditioning. I I will not suffer in that truck. That's just it's 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 not something I'm willing to put up with at this point. I just went down the road of fixing oil leaks on my Audi because it was leaving spots on my in my garage that I didn't like that even though it was a relatively cheap daily driver and my expensive tow rig leaves spots in my driveway. I couldn't have it with my daily. Yeah, right. no, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> and but, it's just, you know, it sucks when you go over to someone's house and you have to park in the street because it's like, cause they don't have oil on their driveway because they're not degenerates uh, like us. Well, every time until recently, I'd Go by my dad's house, and he'd always ask, I'd ask, "Well, where do you want me to park?" Well, does this one leak oil? Because if it does, park <laughs> it on the street. <laughs> Put that shit in my driveway. Yeah, go park it and let someone else look at those oil stains. Yeah, go park it by my neighbor's house. Make him look like he's the one with shit boxes. Yeah, make him <laughs> lower his property value, not ours. Exactly. <laughs> Oh geez. Well, you want to get into our little our little uh topic of of this episode? Yes. You ready you ready to strap on into into this mess? Not all that, but I'm ready to talk about it. So we are we are talking the you you have money in your pocket. And you're going to go buy a new truck. And by new truck, we mean a 2023. Your rules, or your, I should say our parameters, you're going to tow 10,000 pounds. So you're buying a new truck, and it's going to be a 2023. What truck makes the most sense financially to purchase? And those are our rules. There is. Depends. Depends. Go go on. I'm listening. We're we're assuming that everybody's towing a wheeling rig. This is not a. I needed to tow a ten thousand pound dump trailer. I needed to tow a ten thousand pound fifth wheel camper, and I needed to tow a buggy hauler with my with my rig on it. It's, but I mean, ultimately, the end the end product is all the same, though, right? Like you've got ten thousand pounds on your ass, and you need well, to drag the, it from point A to point B. The big one in where I have this argument is whether or not you need to tow a gooseneck or a fifth wheel too, because all new fifteen hundreds will tow ten thousand pounds on the bumper if they have weight distribution. And I think they'll. I them, think they'll also do it uh, without distribution. Like I'm pretty sure my dad's 2012 was rated for like 12,000 pounds. Just hook up and go. Some of them will. Um, as a blanket statement, I know that they will all do it. I don't know if they'll. Some of them will do it with or without it. But um, you could get fifth wheels for 
1500s now, which is crazy. It, I do a double take every time I see an F-150 pulling a fifth wheel camper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> I was telling my, my dad about that on his 1500 that he needs to get the, you know, he doesn't really have a use for it, but like get the, get some airbags. And, you know, if I ever get a fifth wheel trailer, or I'm sorry, a gooseneck trailer, uh, you know, he's welcome to use it, but you got to have the plate. And yeah. you can you can buy plate kits for his twenty. I think his is a twenty twenty two, five three fifteen hundred. Yeah, which is they make so much power that and they all have massive brakes now that as long as you got LT tires on it, you know, like in theory, it's okay. That still sketches me out a little, but you definitely need airbags though. Like they they had our boat hooked up to the back of the truck the other day, and it was. I mean, it's a fiberglass boat. It's a 19 foot, but it shouldn't. It's sh- the the truck should be able to stabilize itself a lot more than it was. Like it, it was squatting pretty en- enough to where I thought this is too much. I believe how how much my boat would make my truck squat too. But and I mean, they do load them pretty far forward, but like the engines always, you know, after the of the yeah. axle. So on a quick side tangent so i had one of my boats sitting in my driveway and i went to move it so i could get ready to start moving to missouri and uh one of my buddies came by with his s10 and i had a trailer hooked to my gray truck i had another one hooked to my red truck i had another one hooked to my jeep and there was one left and it was the boat he was like well i'll just grab it with the s10 we put it down on the s10 it went all the way down to the bump stops and then started to flatten his tires. And we were like, okay, maybe we should hook this up to my buggy trailer and hook this up to my dually. So we did, and it put my dually on its bump stops. And then we realized that it was full up to the seats with water. Oh, so oh shit. Probably had like 600 gallons of water in it. <laughs> it's a 22 foot uh, open bow Sea Ray Seville. And it had it was completely full from the bottom of the hull all the way to the the tops of the seats with water. And we that had was that why... we did that mistake one time. I I thought that the uh, drain plug on the back, um, I didn't. I had it out, but I didn't realize that there was water or there were leaves clogging the drain. Uh-huh. So when I put the plug back in and we hit the water, I'm like, boy, we sure are like down on power. And we open up the the center and realize that the entire um, like hole was full of water. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'll turn on the bilge pump. Well, sure as shit, I turn on the bilge pump and the motor goes bad. Because <laughs> it had been sitting in water for a month. Of course. You know, and they're only so waterproof, you know, when they're submerged yeah. like that. So we're we're sitting there and I'm like, well... I guess we're going back to shore. I, I can't do anything about this. So we go back to shore, put it on the trailer, grab a screwdriver, go poke, and there comes, you know, 200 gallons of water coming out of it. Uh-huh. And then the next yeah, time we went I, to I go did. out boating, it uh, the battery was dead. <laughs> Sounds like boats. Yeah, Last I had another a, thousand. That's right. I had a, just like a cheap generic cover on it that originated as being pretty well water resistant. But by the end of winter and snow sitting on it, it had sagged so that the the tarp was touching the floor in the back behind like the windshield and the front seats and stuff. 
and uh, that was on it when it was filled with water. So I didn't see, I didn't think to look inside of it before we tried to move it. Oh, okay. And, I was uh, curious about that. You know, how how did yeah. you not notice there was that much water in your yeah, boat? So that was when we looked at it a little bit closer. It was dark out and uh went to go take the tarp the the cover off and realized that the cover was floating. It wasn't just hanging there. And that was when we were like, holy fuck, there's a lot of water in this thing. Props to that suspension for holding up. Yeah, the uh, the whole trailer was kind of shaped like a smiley face, um, and uh, the axle was bent, bottomed out on the frame, and the I thought that the tires were just flat because they had been sitting for a couple of months. They weren't. They had sixty pounds in them, and they were completely pressed down to the wheels from all the weight sitting on them. Jeez. Um, so it's a miracle that tires that were old enough to not have DOT numbers on them didn't pop from uh, from all that weight. But anyway. Yeah, so fun little we side were, tangent there. Back to where this started at. Damn boats. Um, with and I mean, the, we, with the, let me, with let the, me, um, sorry not to cut you off. Let me, let me give you another thought here. We'll do this in live uh, time. Do we want to go down this rabbit hole on this episode? Or do we want to set the rules and let this be a conversation on the Facebook page? And then maybe next week or in you know two weeks, we'll reconvene on this with a little bit of data, a little bit of personal history from everybody. What are you what are you what are your thoughts on that? That that sounds good. I think we'll just because the just more we're getting into this, with... the more I'm thinking that like we don't have a ton of data here. I'm looking at the spec sheet, but I told you this was going to be a three-hour conversation if we really got into it. Right. I, I got into this with my younger brother uh, about two months ago. I just proposed this discussion with him, and I got him all hot and bothered. <laughs> he starts going off about, like, you need to set specific parameters. You know, are you are you talking a price budget? How's it, you know, what kind of trailer are you pulling? So... <laughs> Yeah, this this is a relevant conversation to what I've just been having with my girlfriend's brother. He's looking at either getting an open trailer to tow their drag car to the track with or getting a bigger truck to tow their enclosed trailer with the car in it. Um, so we've been going back and forth about this a lot recently. But with what I was saying about 1500s and fifth wheels is that fifth wheels and goosenecks have a much higher... Uh, tug weight percentage that a bumper pull does and that's where you run into it with a 1500 is that they don't necessarily have the payload capacity that the three-quarter ton and one-ton trucks do to be able to hold that weight um, it helps a lot that it's right over the rear axle instead of being behind it and having more leverage on it yeah and it kind of shares the weight to the front a little bit yeah but it's uh still something to consider because that also limits you with bed length and stuff since a lot of the newer 1500s have like four and a half and five and a half foot beds that don't really do anything that's not a long enough bed to tow a, a fifth wheel with so that being said for just the sake of this challenge and because you know it's it off-road podcast so we're gonna say w- would you be agreeable to it being a bumper pull i think that's a fair a fair agreement there that it's not including your stacks and fifth wheels. 
Because like once we go into the the bump or I'm sorry, the the truck bed trailers, I mean, now you're talking, you know, is it like Jeremy's trailer where it's a single place or, uh, you know, single place car trailer gooseneck or like Chris's is like that. Or are we talking yeah. it's Dave's trailer that's, you know, 40 feet long with 30,000 pounds on the back and. So my my thought is you want to buy a 2023 pickup truck. You are going to pull your single off-road rig on its trailer that to to say an average you're going to be hooking up 10,000 pounds to the back. And that's that's total weight. That's your trailer, that's your truck. Um so you know like we were discussing, you know, Derek's truck is on the heavier side of things. And that truck's, uh, you were saying it's somewhere around 8,000 pounds, right? Last I remember hearing him talk about it, I, I want to say he said it was around 8,000. So you figure 8,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds worth of trailer. And that's, you know, again, that's on the high side of things. So we'll... Uh, a trailer that would hold his... Would be his very heavy. Is like the trailer that I used to have, a 20-foot or 22-foot buggy hauler, like a load trailer, a sure track or something like that. Um, and the one that I had in particular was a 20 foot with 14,000 pound gross weight rating. And it by itself was 3,400 pounds. Oh, Jesus. So. Well, good thing Derek doesn't tow his, his truck then. Yeah, I towed when I moved here, I towed my six liter, which is like 83 or 8,400, I think by itself. That was a gorgeous I, photo when you did that. I remember seeing that picture. Yeah, and I brought it down on my 30-foot goose deck, and that was the way to go. The combined weight between both trucks and the trailers was like... Because uh, setting... Set it, what's interesting, because I started doing some quick Google searching, you know, just to start figuring this out. Um, a 2023... Oh, you know what? I typed in a Tacoma. We need a Tundra. Yeah. Tundra is the big one. Quarter tub. If you're oh. well, I I say that, but Brian, Andy's buddy who came down here with him, towed Andy's Jeep down on a 20 foot equipment trailer behind his Ranger. God, that's so weird. Which I agree, it was weird to see, but the new Rangers are like the size of an older F 150. They're massive. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. My, my, my only issue. I, I feel like it has to stay within its rated capability. Because if we yeah, wanted to start slipping into K, yeah, because if we wanted to slip into like you can go outside your towing capacity, people are going to start saying that they could hook it up to their Honda Civic and you know drag their off road rig down the road. Yeah, exactly. Um, a quick look on the Googles of. Uh, 2022 Ranger towing capacity says 3,500 pounds. But then the first people also ask is, can a Ranger really tow 7,500 pounds? If properly <laughs> equipped, the Ford Ranger can tow 7,500 pounds. Holy crap. Which is that's. Uh, I mean, looking at my, the Tundra, the Tundra can do. Sorry, my, my side my side of this argument is that I bought a truck that I never wanted to wonder if I could tow that home. 
so I bought a dually. <laughs> and I never wonder it will do it. Um, and that's that's kind of what started my um you know my hunt for the Duramax that I have now is that the truck I used to tow with was a 2012 uh Chevy or I'm sorry a GMC Sierra 1500 was a 4.8 liter single cab short bed two wheel drive and it was it, it, there were times where it was a struggle because I it was one of those things where I had to pick if I wanted to deal with fishtailing or if I wanted to deal with looking at the sky. Um, yeah, that's a very short wheelbase track for, for towing something that weighs more than it. I, I will say, though, it was a lot of fun to tow with just because it was so maneuverable. Yeah, I believe that. Like, it was it was great to whip around things and, you know, get it everywhere. Now, you know, extend a cab long bed. But so that that's what started it for me, because I Dave, Dave was uh, Hanson was saying this the other day that like, we don't really need diesel pickup trucks. I mean, if you're towing, if you know, if you're towing your one, you know, like our parameters, if you're towing the one rig and the single place car trailer, I mean, when I borrowed my dad's uh, Sierra 1500, it towed it fine. I had to lock out um, eight, nine and tenth gear. Just because, you know, there's such monstrous overdrive gears that it wasn't yeah. allowing the engine to, you know, work for a living. Um, but it, it really did do fine. Like, I, I am more comfortable in the Duramax because, A, I like the truck. You know, I, that's certainly a factor in it. Um, but also, like, it had power to spare. Like, I, I could pull a grade in fifth gear and the truck would do it and it was fine. But realistically, the Sierra also did it just fine. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm at with it. If you know that the only thing you're going to tow is your off-road rig, that the combined weight between your trailer and your rig is at max 10,000 pounds, all that you need is a 1,500. Personally, I tow a 30-foot gooseneck that I absolutely could handle with a single-wheel F350 or an F250. Um with my current setup, my total combined weight's a little over twenty four thousand pounds, um, and that's with now is that range. is that dually two rigs and the trailer? Yeah, yeah, that's total combined weight. Okay, um, and that's within the range of what the single wheel trucks are rated for. Um, but I used to tow stuff that was bigger than that, where it was out of the range of what the single wheel trucks would do. Um, and then I still have the truck now. Um, we also tow horses from time to time and having the stability of a dually with essentially an unsecured load is kind of nice. Cause they'll, they'll, I've never towed a horse trailer. Cause like they'll, they'll shift around while you're moving, right? Like all of oh, a sudden yeah. they want to see out the right window and all of a sudden the whole trailer shifts over. Ideally, if they're in there correctly, they can't move around that much, but it's they're all like their little towing. Ends. Yeah, it's kind of like towing a water tank where you hit the brakes and you can feel the load surge, which is them just bouncing off the walls, which kind of is morbid, <laughs> but it's the truth behind it. Uh, so, you know, you try not to drive like an asshole, but uh, but there's that. Um, the added stability for, behind it is really nice. I think for most people, like we're, we're degenerates in the fact that like, we just love hooking up to train. Maybe other people share this experience. They're like, I enjoy pulling trailers. I have a lot of fun oh, yeah. pulling them. 
any reason I could get to do anything with a trailer, I took it. That's why I was a trailer mechanic for five years. Yeah, because it's just, just it's so much fun pulling trailers around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, I I just really like the stability of having a dually. I don't need it, definitely. Um, but one of the arguments that I have to why diesels are good, especially the newer ones, is like living in Missouri, there's hills everywhere here and you're towing up and down hills and dealing with grades and stuff. And the further, you know, you get into mountains, if you go east or south or west, whatever, you'll eventually end up in a mountain range. And having the option to have an exhaust brake, all the newer trucks have is fantastic. And it's one of the biggest selling points of towing with a diesel if you're towing something heavy. Um, with my exhaust brake in my truck, it's just the stock setup that uses the VGT functions on the turbo to act as an exhaust brake, but it will just hold whatever speed you want it to going down a hill. So you don't have to use your regular brakes and get them hot to maintain the speed that you're going. It will help slow down going down a hill but if you need to slow down you just use your regular brakes but they're there for you and they're not hot yet when you need to Um, right well and you know warping and wear and tear and all that too it's i mean brake fade is obviously the biggest risk but as an owner operator like not messing up your brake pads and rotors and (laughs) yeah there's there's that for sure but mostly it's just that when you need the brakes, they're going to be there because you don't need to ride the brakes to, to go down a hill and maintain a speed. And I really like that. It gives me a lot of peace of mind in towing. Uh, it's something that Andy's talked about on his other trip down here with his truck. Um, his truck's brakes were a little tired when he came down, and he said if his truck didn't have an exhaust brake, he wouldn't have made the trip without doing brakes on his truck because it makes that big of a difference. Even when coming up to red lights and stuff, somebody pulls out in front of you and you hit the brakes and that truck puts the exhaust brake on. It's amazing how big of a difference it makes when he's got that function. So that's one of my big, big things towards, towards getting a diesel is having that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. As someone who doesn't have an exhaust brake on their diesel, it is, it is such a waste because like when when I put it in tow mode, it'll act as if it has one, but it won't do it. Yeah. You know, it'll it'll upshift itself. It'll leave the torque converter locked, and it'll it'll use whatever engine drag that it has to pull itself. It'll usually do about a pound or two a boost, um, or just you know intake pressure basically. Um, and when I go to places like Iowa or Indiana. You know, and you, exactly like you're talking about, you start going down those hills and the engine will try and stop itself, but it just doesn't have enough. And I end up riding the brakes quite a lot. And, um, you know, as we had discussed with my trailer, um, it wore the brakes in pretty good. You know, it, it didn't even the pads were not worn, but it very clearly had been riding the brakes enough to where like it's wearing the magnet. Um yes. Just just from dra- e- even though it wasn't a lot of pressure, just dragging the brakes in general is wearing down the brakes on it. Uh, one of the biggest biggest things that I have just for direct comparison that you'll understand, Kyle, was 
uh, leaving Rich's house after core last year. Oh yeah, with my exhaust brake on, I didn't touch my truck's brakes going down his entire driveway. The the truck maintained like seven to ten miles an hour the whole way down that hill. And I know we've discussed it before, but that's that's a pretty gnarly hill. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty serious. Um, so that's one of the things that I have going towards why diesels are good. One of the other ones is that with the tune and stuff on my truck, it should be somewhere around a thousand pounds of torque. And when you're pulling the trailer and both Jeeps on it, and you can still be at 65 at the bottom of an on-ramp to merge into traffic easily, that's just a safety feature. Yeah, the just the ability to boot scoot and boogie and not... Because as, as you're describing, I have been on the other side of that spectrum to where you are getting on the on-ramp going 45 miles an hour and now you've got semis barreling up to you and there's basically nothing you can do about it except hope that they're going to get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Is the hope that hope that they'll give you a lane if they can and hope that that you can time it right to hop in between them and not piss anybody off, but when when you're hauling all that weight and you're getting onto the highway at the same speed that traffic is going, it's just a safety feature in my eyes. It's it's cool, but it's also just just nice to have that peace of mind that you have the power to make moves like that. I've had I've towed with with a bunch of gas trucks. It's what I had until I bought my six liter. Um and some of those trucks, they're all old and tired and stuff, you know, just being not having a lot of money being a college kid and stuff. And most of those trucks would barely get to highway speeds without towing anything. And then you add a trailer and a car on it. And it's just kind of like, well, I hope somebody will let me in. Otherwise we're going to cruise down the shoulder until we get up to speed and have a spot to hop in at. So, so I like that. I, I don't know if the, the diesel 1500s have exhaust brakes. I really don't know much about those trucks. I would think that they do. Let me let me so, do a quick Google search. Chevy fifteen hundred Duramax exhaust brake. Yeah, they actually do. So that doesn't mean that you need to get a one ton dually to get that function, you know? Yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely right. In my um, for example, my dad has a it's a twenty twenty one. Uh, Nissan NV2500. It's got a uh, 5.7 liter V8 in it, and that will I, actually. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the little quick little side thing on this. So th- this is one of the other like towing capabilities. Is that this van? Let me pull up the actual spec. 2021 Nissan NV2500 towing capacity. So. The 1500s cannot tow anything. They are basically just whatever is in the truck. I mean, it's something like a thousand pounds. So it's it, the trailer's on there for a technicality. The 2500s um, are rated to tow, according to this, uh, 2021 NV Cargo. Oh, wait, hang on. Sorry. It doesn't have a 2500 in there. Hmm, this is giving me some weird data here. 
There we are. Okay. Um, that can tow up to 9,400 pounds and carry up to 3,700 pounds. I just didn't know that, that Nissan made a 5.7 liter. I, w- I want to say it's a 5.7. I, I certainly hope I'm not wrong on that. It's That's escaping me now. Um, I don't know a lot about Nissan's. Honestly, I don't like them. I really uh, hate five, five point five point six 5.6 liter. Okay. Yeah, so the, that that one's, you know, and that one could very well be a contender for some people, you know, because you don't have to have it be a pickup truck. You know, there there are certainly other options out there. Um, you know, and this van is a perfectly good example of that. I mean, you can you can buy these as a uh, conversion van, stick seven people in it, you know, and and put your rig behind it, tow down the road. Everybody's comfortable. Everybody's got air conditioning, um, and still have storage space. Vans could be an awesome way to do it because if you get into a twenty five hundred van, it's primarily the same drivetrain as a twenty five hundred truck, but they cost way less. So this this nice, truck is but they're a lot less expensive. This truck is basically the same drive line as a Nissan Titan. Yeah. So there actually exactly. is a conversion kit to convert these to four wheel drive as well. If that was something, oh, you know, because pe- people do the overlanding thing, and I mean, you know, they get the high tops. Um, that's pretty cool. I looked it up also just real quick back to the 1500 diesels, yeah. the 2018 to 21 F450 EcoBoost have the exhaust brake programming in them. But according to what I saw in a Google search result and reading through some forms, the Eco Diesel Rams do not have exhaust brake programming in their turbos. Interesting. I don't know. But anyway, I remember a lot of people, a lot of people I used to watch on YouTube and stuff a few years ago who didn't have money to buy like seven, three trucks, but seven, three vans were less than a thousand dollars. And it's the exact same drivetrain. It's the same axle. It's the same suspension. Yeah. They're just detuned or something, isn't it? I don't think they were in the seven threes. The six liters were. Okay. That might Um, be what I'm thinking of then. But uh, but they would run those and then just tune it anyway and make all the power that you would in a truck in an $800 van instead of a five or $6,000 truck for a basic work truck 7.3. So if, if all that you're going to do is a bumper pull, those are a good option because you can also then outfit the inside as your camper. Oh, and yeah, you, you can have... get you can get pretty, pretty into it with those. I am. I, um... I took our old Chevy Express van. This was years ago. One of the first off-roading trips I ever did. I took that to an event and I camped out of the back, you know, with the, with the carpentry cabinets and everything still on the sides. Like all we did was take the tools out. And even with as little room as I had, it was one of the nicest camping trips I've had because, you know, as it is with RVs and stuff, you know, you just pop open the door and in you go. Yep. Yeah, so that's one of the the other cool things about doing it with a van is that if you're only going to do bumper pulls, you can have the inside set up as living quarters. So, and then go to work on Monday with it. <laughs> there you go. Bring your rig and everything. And um, you you brought this up earlier, and I'm clinging onto it, so I need to get this out. Um, 
So a while ago, when my so my brother has, and I believe it's a 2021 Ram. Uh, it's a 2500 with the Dodge Ram. Yes, no, no, it's just a for bike. It's it's just a Ram. You can't say Dodge anymore, otherwise the EPA is going to get mad at them. Um. I, I believe it's a 21. So he's got a Ram 2500 uh, Tradesman 6.4 liter. And when he was getting it, you know, we were kind of comparing numbers because, you know, he's got his his is a towing like it, it's got some sort of long haul package on it. So it's got a reinforced frame. Um, he's got the plate in the back and they put a third shock on the differential. It's a really cool system. Makes it ride like glass yeah. on the road. Other um, power wagons have that too. Yeah, I mean his he can he can go over speed bumps at forty miles an hour and like it it doesn't hurt the way you would expect it to on a pickup truck. But so, you know, you were talking about getting on the highway and with you know your truck, for example, you don't have to drive like an idiot to get on the highway pulling that much weight, you know, and and get up to cruise speed as you're merging in. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's that. I'm not wide open throttle to hit 65 by the end of the average on ramp. So we, we were comparing the data. And so I, I just pulled it up just now. Um, he makes let me change this real quick. So we're, we're going to look at strictly stock numbers here. Cause you know, that's just how I'm going to do this. Um, the tradesman 6.4 liter makes 429 pound feet of torque at 4,000 RPM. The oh, I'm losing my my information here. Uh oh, in touch with reality. Yeah, right. Um, where the Duramax can do it, 2003 does 520 pound feet of torque at 1800 rpm so it's making you know we'll say basically comparable power um but at two very different rpm ranges yeah yours is right from the get-go yeah so there there's that thought as well um you know his his truck can do it and there's no doubt about it because he does make a little bit more horsepower than me as well Uh um but he's doing it at 5,000 RPM. Yeah, he's got to get, got to get way up there to do it. Yeah, so you're, you know, you're yelling on the off ramp, and neither are going to get. You know, I, I think it's safe to assume that towing you're going to get on either a gas or a diesel, you're going to get around 12 miles of the gallon. You know, like what, what do you, what do you typically get for? Um, miles per gallon when you're towing when i'm towing both um somewhere between 11 and a half and 12 depending on where we're going and if you i I know this might be a little bit harder but if you're towing one vehicle like one of your lighter poles if i so i only have the 30 foot goose deck so if i'm towing one or both it's going to be on the trailer on the same trailer um, and with that setup, the weight really doesn't make a difference. Um, I mean, it's, it's marginal. Uh, what does make a difference is which way everything's facing. 
the aerodynamics of what's on the trailer seems to affect it more than the weight of what's on the trailer. So now are you talking like if you were to put your Cherokee on the trailer backwards? Yeah, I noticed a whole mile per gallon difference when I tried that. Interesting. I had, I had it on backwards and I got a whole mile per gallon less than what I had it on forwards. You know, I, I experienced so year years and years ago I put that roof rack on my Jeep and it's gonna be it's gonna be coming off here soon. I've just been not bothering to do it. Um, but when I put that roof rack on my Jeep, I noticed like a two mile per gallon difference. And I, I track all of my fuel. I've got it all done through an app. So I, I was able, you know, this wasn't me just saying, oh, you know, I, I think it's doing worse. Like I was able to mathematically prove that I was losing miles per gallon because of the drag yeah. that that roof rack was creating. Yeah, I noticed I had a big difference on one trip where I towed Christie's Jeep down here on my little boat trail back when I still lived in Chicago and she moved down here first. Her her jail is pretty tall. It's on 40s stuff. And so it stuck it sticks up a good amount over the cab of my truck when it's on the trailing. When I towed it down, um I got like a little I got right about a mile and a half per gallon better gas mileage going home back to Chicago towing a Honda Odyssey on the trailer versus her Jeep on the trailer. The weight, oh, wow. The van probably weighs a thousand pounds less than her Jeep does, but the weight really doesn't make a big difference. But the van is much more aerodynamic. Yeah, instead. Well, then, you know, with that trailer, you're you know, your over axle deck over. It's on my load trail, which was the a buggy hauler. So it still had fenders oh, and okay. stuff. It wasn't quite as tall, which that's why with the, with the goose deck, it doesn't matter as much because it's all going to be up high anyway, because it's a full deck over and all that. I just looked it up for the curiosity since we were talking about it. My, my gray truck, it's a 2015 F-350, Creek have long bed dually, 6.7 power stroke. It makes 440 horsepower at 2,800 RPM and 860 foot-pounds at 1,600 RPM stock. Mine's tuned. It definitely makes more than that, but I don't know exactly how much. But all of that torque at that low of an RPM is awesome. And, you know, that certainly plays into reliability. You know, it's... Uh... If you're I always sitting the shit out of it, right? You know, I I had an old college instructor a long time ago tell me that everything can make a million horsepower. It's just how fast you're going to do it. Yeah, you know, and if you're if you're always spinning the engine as fast as you can, you know, five thousand RPM. You know, there's going to be consequences for that. Um, and not saying that won't happen with any vehicle. You know, if you're running a a turboed vehicle and you're constantly making a ton of boost. I mean, there's certainly consequences for that as well. Yeah. I need to remind myself of that on my way to work every day in my Audi. <laughs> EGTs are just a number, my friend. That's right. And, <laughs> and fun and smiles are just a feeling. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we've done a lot of trailer talk. Hopefully, uh, 
hopefully everyone is up to the task. So this is the this is our discussion idea for this week. You know, go on the Facebook page, you know, let's let's have some fun with this. You know, what what makes the most sense to go buy off the lot right now that is going to be your best bang for your buck, that's going to be reliable. You know, and if you got kids, you know, can you put four people comfortably in it? Can you put five people in it comfortably? Because I know I have a friend that's got three kids. So, you know, they're they're going to have to figure out how to transport five people in two off-road rigs. See, that's, you know, kid- where, that's where you need to just step it up to one of those medium-duty freight liners. I, you know, he he's one of the guys that would probably do it. There you go. <laughs> So, One other yeah. thing that, that we had talked about when I was talking to, to Christy's brother about the stuff was, you know, how often are you realistically going to tow with it? And it's why I was kind of trying to push him in the direction of the 1500, um, whether it's an F-150 or a Silverado or, or a Ram, you know, you kind of, with everything, you got to pick what problems you want to deal with and then buy a truck around that. You know, what do you like? What don't you like? But um, is that 1500s ride really nice? All of the new ones are comfortable. And if you're going to drive 95% of the time and tow 5% of the time, maybe don't worry so much about every little detail about how it's going to show and worry about does it fit in a parking spot at the grocery store? Is it comfortable to drive to work every day? Is it going to break my back when I hit a speed bump? Things like right, that. And and that's certainly, you know, if you're going out and buying a brand new something, you know, you're probably going to want to daily drive it because it's it's not like the days of old where, you know, you could go buy a brand new vehicle and then have it sit because you paid cash for it. You know, most of these vehicles, you're talking a 10 year payment on them. Yeah, it's stuff crazy. But so are, are you are you prepared to take a mega cab long bed? you know, dually and park it in the Kroger parking lot to go get groceries, you know, just, just so you can be excited when you jump in the truck, when you go to tow once a month. Somebody else is going to say it. If you're doing the build to, to build yourself a mega cab log bed, you're going to drive it every fucking day. If you can't <laughs> just buy one, you have to build one. Um, but I, well, I get what you're saying. Because like, that's what, because um, Dave has, his is a single rear wheel, but Dave's got a mega cab. I believe it's a long bed. Do you, do you remember? I'm pretty sure that his is like a mid-length bed because I don't think you could buy a mega cab long bed. I think you'd have to build those. But now I'm going to look. I know you can buy the, um, like a regular four-door, like a crew cab long bed dually because a an old co-worker in college had one of those and he would take up like one and a quarter parking spot he'd butt the rear tires up against the curb and the nose would still stick a foot and a half out past everybody i mean that truck was huge and same thing you know he he towed that he towed with that thing once every other month to pull his rv and it did a fine job pulling his rv but then he'd have to go, you know, and he was an older gentleman. So, you know, it's not it's not as fun for them to have to deal with these big vehicles, you know, yeah. to go through to, to go through the drive throughs. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I I definitely agree. Yeah. When when I search, can you get a mega cab log, then everything that comes up is stretch conversions. I'm 
I'm pretty sure you still have to build that if you want a mega camp augment. Okay. Well, so which that's... is the way to go. That's, that shit's cool, but but absolutely, that's why I I used to daily drive my crew cab logbed dually F three fifty, and then I bought a house where I have to have a fifteen mile commute down windy little country roads, and a week after I bought my house, I bought another car to drive every day because I don't like driving my truck down that street if I don't have to. It's inconvenient to park. It's not. It's not uncomfortable, but it's not the most comfortable thing ever. It gets really shit gas mileage driving it on this road because it's a lot of turns that you got to speed up and slow down for. And it's just about as wide as the road I'm driving it on. But luckily for me, I'm in a position where I can buy something else and I have a place to park it and I can afford to have another daily driver. And it wasn't expensive, but um but if you can only get one car and you or one truck and you have to daily it it's going to be your tow rig and all that stuff you know one thing that does everything and it's only going to tow a bumper pole i think it just makes sense to buy a 1500 it's going to be comfortable it's going to get better gas mileage than a three-quarter ton or a one-ton wheel and you know it'll do the job i'm going to go out on a whim and i'm going to you know I- I, I encourage everyone to come discuss this because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think the answer is going to be some sort of gas four door short bed, 2,500 doesn't even have to be a pickup truck. It could be something like a Chevy 2,500 express fan or a Nissan NV 2,500 yeah. or even a, even a pro master, like a pro master 2,500 that, that is going to have a moderately sized gas engine that's going to have decent seating and enough pickup bed space or just, you know, standard uh, cargo space. You know what sucks since we added the restriction of it being only new vehicles is that this all pretty well fits the the bill for like the 2500 Suburbans and mm-hmm. uh, and uh the excursions and stuff like that. And um, if if we if we um you know if people have fun with this and we want to do this again, I mean we could certainly do another one of these where it's you know early two thousand vehicles or only SUVs, only three quarters one you know whatever however we want to do it you know. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, well, do you want to shut this down? We'll go over to the Patreon for a little bit. And uh, I've got some exciting, some kind of funny news about my dad. I'm going to share. I, uh, I had to pull, I had to pull his dash cam off of uh, his van for him to look at some information. Oh boy. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to hear more about that, come on over to the Patreon. I can assure you it'll be worth your time. Uh, I heard somebody was fucking on the hood. Somebody fucked around and somebody found out. Oh, all right. Yep. Um, okay, so let's see here. We're going to run these off in rapid succession. Uh, go support Steve, summershinesupply.com. He's got all sorts of cool stuff. I've been using the hell out of it. I cleaned off my tire or my wheels the first time the other day. And it, cleaned, good. it cleaned up nice. And I hated every second of it because I hate cleaning. And it worked really nice. Um red designs go get yourself a fancy shifter or you know other he's got other cool stuff on there like if you want to route your brake lines in a 
more safe and um, controllable manner. Off-Road Anonymous for all your attachment, detachment, and cup holding needs. Um, Crawler Off-Road, they're going to be doing their raffle as well for a little bit longer here. So go grab an entry. You know, they're, they're pretty cheap over there. Uh, Morflate's got all your inflation and deflation needs. Uh, if anyone's got the new compressor yet, let us know. I don't know if those have gotten out yet. I want uh, one of those. It looks pretty cool. I, I kind of do want one. I just don't like that I can't use it for like small projects like airing up a singular tire. Yeah, well, that's why you buy a dually. Right. You always have so I, more tires to fill up. I always have to do six of them. There you go. Uh, complete off-road, you know. I I recently had to buy... Well, didn't have to. You know, I, I have a spending problem. Um... I had to. I wanted to get um, the automation kit for my airbags. You know, to have everything to be able to inflate and deflate with the touch of a button. The kit I looked at was nine hundred and eighty dollars through Chris with shipping. Out the door, it was nine hundred. It saved me ninety dollars versus ordering it on Amazon. There we go. So, Podcast partners in action. TOP 10 for everybody. Go give him a ring. Call Chris 5563 5653. Did I get go. that right? I got that right, right? Sure you did. Okay. Um, good for my <laughs> and when you're done with this, go listen to He Treated Garage. Go give Chris and the boys some love. Yeah, it's a that's a good show. It's not not always just about wheeling or whatever we talk about. They have like Almost like a structure, but it's good. Go give it a listen. Yeah, go give him a listen. So, Trevor, have you any last words? Um, um, I knew this this was coming for however long we've been talking for, and uh, that's all I got. Perfect. Go, Go tell Trevor what you did this week. Oh, um, feed your dogs if you haven't. Go feed your dogs. They're hungry. Don't make them fat, though. Right. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode 179. Hopefully you guys liked it. Like we said, come hang out with us in the Facebook page. Let's talk about trucks and towing. Trailers are for more than boats, Derek. Somebody in the Facebook group will always be there to tell you that you're wrong and somebody might tell you that you're right. So come so go find fight. out. Come get angry in the Facebook page. I'll be there arguing with everybody else. That's right. <laughs> cool. So thank you for listening to episode 179. And as always, we'll catch you on the trail. Potentially. Hopefully. Hopefully. almost got the intro right wait did i no what did i do wrong you said everything (laughs) from overlanding in your rig it's overlanding in your stock rig we're doing it over (laughs) (laughs) that's him